1: On the AM 740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin
2: And the sous chef of garden, Frank Proctor. Good morning, one and all. Still no snow out there. Good
1: morning. And Good you know morning, what? Charlie. I'm a
3: huge fan of a white Christmas, but, but. I'm really liking
2: this. <laughs> a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of people are.
3: Yeah, I think that the last two winters kind of was enough cold and snow, and I was just saying, you know, this time last year we were out snow blowing every hour. That's right. <laughs> so this is really, really nice. I'm liking well, it. Well,
2: I was up in the uh, Blue Mountain area uh, not too long ago at a friend's chalet, and uh, my gosh, uh, no snow up there, of course. No. And so I'm feeling sorry for all the people who are employed yes, in that industry. Yes, that's true. It. wow it's, it's And they tough can't going. even make snow. No. I mean it's just been too warm. No. Yeah. yeah so was, it's what just, is it? They're like 7 degrees out there?
3: Twiddling their thumbs in the, at the resorts. No, I know that's yeah. not
2: a good thing. Okay. Uh you know what I got to do? I got to I got to get in the phone numbers on the air. Good idea. Cuz I, I I was recalcitrant last time. Wow. leaks wow. doing that, uh, and we were Whew. lacking calls right off the top. Well, yes. let's not that have that happen, because what happens is at the end of the show we have all sorts of callers waiting on the line. And good Lord, love a duck. Look at the line. <laughs> okay, so the numbers here in Toronto four one six three six zero zero seven forty. Then anywhere in the province is toll free one eight six six seven forty. 4740 our mantra call early call often one question per call our lines are getting filled up as i speak and if you're a first time caller please let sebastian know and uh, i will give you a little uh, yeah when you uh, are on the air
3: welcoming this. bell yes that's the that's your butterfly wings for, exactly. for being brave enough to call yeah, M-
2: michael Bentley of serious really loves those i know <laughs> he likes them all right so, what have you got, my friend?
3: Let's see, I've got a couple of announcements uh, Final nights of Hanukkah winding down I still haven't had any latkes So I'm looking forward to my daughter finishing exams So she can come home and make some latkes for us <laughs> Oh yes,
2: it's Hanukkah, of course It right. is, it is yeah. Hanukkah,
3: so yes, indeed uh, um, Tomorrow night the last night, I think Started on Sunday, I can tell you that much. Anyway, uh, all right, remember Jeff Mason of Mason House Gardens is speaking on December the 13th, that's tomorrow, during the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society meeting from 1 to 4 p.m. at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. Bring your mug and a friend and enjoy the camaraderie of this very eclectic group. Uh, topic, high and dry, 25 years on a sand dune, is what Jeff will be speaking about, and Virginia Hildebrandt will present five reasons to visit Newfoundland. <clears throat> Excuse me. As if you needed five reasons to visit Newfoundland. Free admission and parking, 777 Lawrence Avenue East in Toronto. Also brought to you by the Toronto Botanical Garden, which, of course, you can always go to their website, torontobotanicalgarden.ca, Uh, Monday, December 14th. So day after tomorrow, remember the tea that's happening at Allen Gardens. You need to book in advance. The first seating is from noon until 2. The second seating is 3 until 5. It's an Excellent opportunity to tour the conservatory at your leisure. And, of course, it's decorated and filled with thousands of flowering plants, 30 varieties of poinsettia, along with a selection of colder weather flowers and plants, such as azaleas and cyclamen. So you can get a real hit of color and fragrance and earth and just all wonderful garden things at the Allen Gardens this Monday. Uh, So do check that out if you possibly can. And... That's my. That's really my
2: announcement. All right. But if mm
3: -hmm. we get a chance, I did get quite a long email from Ed Shepard. Okay. I've printed it off, and it starts says, "Hi Charlie, I feel I am cheating, but this is a multiple question, (laughs) and I am sure that Frank would cut me off here." (laughs) <laughs> Cut me off. So here goes. So what, uh, let's um, see how it goes with All our right. callers, and if we can get to Ed's email, we will.
2: Absolutely. Okay. Let's. Uh, I'd mentioned Michael Bentley mm. uh, from Sierra Cell. So he's the president of the company. He was in not long ago to uh, offer a wonderful presentation to us. A whole bunch of folks at the Zoom Reflex here, and uh, he sends a little Christmas card and on mine he wrote, "The bells are ringing" because he loves the little. Because <laughs> it's a welcome yeah. bell. Well, yeah, and we, we'd like to welcome you to the air. To maybe uh, not only this morning, uh, ask, check
3: out. yeah, ask questions, but share if you've yeah. got anything interesting and fun going on in the garden, or anything memorable, anything still blooming. Exactly, <laughs> Let exactly. No,
2: don't forget to take your share soil. That's where I was going to start. to say, uh, The last uh, I think it was three weeks ago. I forgot. And. Uh, don't do that, frankly. Oh no, I know I'm, I'm on sked now. I take my three pills in the morning. Frankly, you Frank. Do. Yes. Did you mess it up? <laughs> I did last time around, but and not you noticed now.
3: you got yeah. a little stiff in the joints. Yeah,
2: yeah, no, you miss it. It's just, well,
3: siracil is a is a lubricant for the joints. Yep. So any kind of stiffness in any of those moving parts. Sierra CIL may work for you. No guarantees. It works for everybody. That's why there is a 14-day, 100% satisfaction, guaranteed money back. So give them a call if you'd like to give it a try at 1-877-JOINT-14 or check them on the web, sierrasill.com.
2: S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and
4: foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, stalks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams.
1: you pick picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
2: And Charlie, let's uh, get the ball rolling here. Rita on the line from Richmond Hill, probably just around the corner from you there. Baby. All right. Hello. <laughs> (laughs) Oh, and good morning, uh, Rita.
4: A happy, happy holiday.
2: Thank you. Uh,
4: Good morning, Frank and Charlie. Now, I have a serious problem. Up north, I planted a little baby lilac tree Mm -hmm. up last weekend, and there's buds on it. Oh, yeah. Uh, And now in Richmond Hill, the same thing we've got down here. I don't know if it's crocuses, hyacinths. I don't know what they are, but they're shooting up.
3: uh, Yes, it could be your grape hyacinths. No, I know. You know what? magnolias, some of them are starting to crack a bit of color, and some forsythia has been seen blooming. Yeah, so plants are so tuned into weather. They don't know what month it is. They just know that if it gets a little bit cold and then it starts to warm up, it must Mm -hmm. be spring. Don't panic. There's, you know, it is possible that the buds will progress to the point where they will be damaged in the frost, so we will have fewer flowers next spring when we should get them because they'll be, you know, damaged this winter, but it won't kill the plant, it's not going to stop it from flowering in the future, it just means that we may have fewer flowers in spring 2016 because of this funny, extensive fall, not winter we're having.
4: I shouldn't put any topsoil or nothing around them, nothing to cover them up, eh?
3: No, I wouldn't even so. attempt to cover them up. Okay. Uh, topsoil you would only do if a plant was a little bit on the tender side mm-hmm. or it was recently planted, like planted in, uh, since September 1st. It would be wise to put some extra leaves or uh, six or eight inches of topsoil around the base of the plant mm-hmm. just to help keep it dormant is what you want. You don't want it to wake up and that's one of the reasons why we do kind of mulch around is to keep Keep the temperature as steady as we can. Okay. Thank you so, so okay. much. Okay, <laughs> thank Rita. you. Thank a, you very,
2: a very relieved Rita saying au revoir there, right? Mm. On a Saturday morning with Charlie and Frank here. Joan in Brampton on the line right now. Hi, Joan.
5: Oh, hi, Frank. Good morning. Morning. Good morning, Charlie. Um, I have a an orchid that was given to me about three months ago. It's very lovely, and it's very tall, about 12 inches, straight up. It's the straightest stem I've ever seen (laughs) in an orchid. Now, the leaves, the blooms have fallen off. It has grown a new leaf. The leaves are shiny and healthy. Nice. But I notice now that starting at the top, right at the tip Mm -hmm. of the stem, it started to go kind of a beigey-brown, and it looks very dry, Mm -hmm. and it's gradually moving further and further down the stem.
3: Should I cut this dry part off? Eventually you will, but I would leave it until that brown has descended right down to almost touching the leaves. Almost to the leaves? Yeah. And at that point, with a nice pair of sharp scissors, you're going to go in and you're going to cut that stem off as low as you possibly can, down from where it emerged from the stem. Oh. So the reason I hesitate to have you cut it off too soon is because orchids can surprise you and then they suddenly will send another little flower stem off of that existing flower stem and pop out some more flowers when you least expect it. So that's why I like to just wait. Wait until the the green has disappeared, it's completely brown, it'll eventually turn black and fall off all on its own, but it becomes a bit unsightly. So once it's, you know, the brown has descended, then just cut the whole thing right out of there.
5: Oh,
3: okay. And And
5: should I, I know the house is quite dry. I thought maybe that's what the problem was. But uh, if I want to spray this, do I spray um, mist it? mm -hmm. Do I mist the whole thing, leaves and all? Yep.
3: Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely oh, spray the it leaves.
5: Go the sink and.
3: <clears throat> That's right. Go nuts. Spray. And of course, you've got roots that are above ground, which is all good. So you're yeah. going to miss the roots. You're going to miss the leaves. You're going to let it drip dry in the sink and then put it back onto the window ledge or the table, wherever you keep it. Yeah. Uh, it's not a bad idea when you're fertilized or sorry, when you're watering, consider some fertilizer for that orchid that is an orchid fertilizer. Yes, I have some actually. All right. So if you follow the instructions at half strength, So if it's one teaspoon in five liters of water, make it a half a teaspoon in five liters of water. And consider using that either as a a dunk the plant into that pail or at least water with that fertilized water uh, for the next little while. And you will pop more flowers before you know it. Okay.
5: And just spray it with water every, what, every day? Uh,
3: If you can, every day, for sure. Even twice a day. Choice
5: today. Okay, Uh, uh, I can't go wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very good. (laughs) Thanks for your call, Charlie. You guys have a very Merry Christmas. And the same to you.
2: Uh, Thank you very much for joining us here on the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio, AM seven forty, as we broadcast live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. We have a lot of folks waiting on the line. We will get to you in just a couple of moments. Right after these words.
1: Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
2: All righty, Charlie, uh, we have a caller coming in from Orchard Park, New York. Marie, hey, Marie, good morning. Good morning, Charlie,
6: and you have the most wonderful male voice. I love to hear you. Well...
2: Oh, gee, thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs>
6: uh, my, my question is, where can I obtain Sierra Sill?
3: I'm right near Fort Erie, St. Catharines. Oh. I have no idea where to go to get it. Can you help me? Uh, well, you know what? Sierra Sill has a great uh, website. I don't know if you've been there at all, to their website. But right on the f- home page on the left side, it's find a Sierra Sill retailer near you. So I plug in Country USA State New York. And then city, it's coming up Brooklyn, Dix Hills, Glenhead, Hamburg, Irvington. These are, uh, how do you say that one? Massapequa?
6: Well, uh, um, York, um,
3: Port Washington.
6: Charlie, there, there's one in Hamburg, but it's a doctor, so I have no idea.
3: Oh. Okay, so, to go to well, to so that's, well, that's what I'm just, you're right, Dr. Marilyn Kuhn in uh, Hamburg. Hamburg, right. Okay, so otherwise, I'm sure you can phone them or you can order online, because you can shop online. Do you have access to the internet? I don't, but somebody else will. Okay. okay. Uh, the toll-free number, one eight seven 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 four three seventy seven twenty is on their website, and I would assume that toll-free number would work in the States and Canada because this website has been designed for both the, uh, Canada and the States, and actually oh, it's got right. a okay. few languages going on here. It They're be, so
2: easy to deal with, It might be
3: a worldwide yeah. uh, toll-free number. Because, yeah. look, here's French, there's Chinese, there's yeah. Spanish and German. So one eight seven 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 four three Three seventy-seven twenty would be the number I would call and ask the advice. And like I said, you can order on, on the phone as well, and they can mail it to you. Wonderful! Thank All you right. so very much. Okay, Thank Great. You well, for thanks, for thanks so show. much for calling. Because yeah, yeah, Frank and I are telling the truth. We've had very good success.
2: Okay, there we are. Well, <laughs> Marie from Orchard Park, New York, from Markdale. Here is Allison. Good morning to you, Alice. Welcome to the show.
4: Good morning.
5: Good morning. I have a question. What's going to happen?
2: What's going to happen? Hello? Uh, Where are we? What's
5: going to happen, these plants that have started to grow and they're in pots? Can you put them in the basement where it's cold?
3: What kind of plants are in pots?
5: Peonies and stuff like that.
3: Uh, Okay, and you say that they're starting to grow? Yes. Where are they now? They're outside. Uh, I would leave them outside. Um, but they're in pots. Yes, I understand. So I would leave them outside. I'd get them out of the sun. Make sure there's no sun beating down on them because that's partially warming them up. Um, make sure that they're watered so that because right now nothing's frozen. So some cold water, thorough watering on any of your potted plants. Tuck them into a shady spot. Out of the sun, out of the wind, Uh, if you have some straw bales kicking around, you could surround them with straw bales or bags of leaves or even just leaves in general. What you want to do is you want to keep them from growing, so you want to keep them as cool as possible. And the best way to do that is, like I said, get them out of the sun and out of the wind and just uh, get them – some air pockets around them if you can in the way of leaves or straw or anything like that. Bringing them in the house is going to encourage them to grow and mm-hmm. they will not be happy plants if they're growing in your basement. Trust me. you They will become very, very weak and they're likely to not survive if you bring them in. They're more likely to survive if you keep them outside where they belong, but keep them as dormant as you possibly can. Okay? Okay. Thank
2: you. Thanks Great. for your call. Thank you very much, Alice. Nice to have you with us on a Saturday morning, though it would be a little cloudy out there. Gee, the sun came out. It was so beautiful. Well, that's and it, eh? Whammo, the clouds moved in. And-
3: it was a solid gray now, yeah. but there was that blip of blue. and But it's pretty dramatic, the temperature difference when the sun is out.
2: That's right, yeah. Hence your remark to move those plants, those pondered plants, <clears throat> into the shade.
3: That's right, and keep the temperature as low as you can. I know we're above zero, but let's keep our plants as dormant as we can, because we are going to get some winter eventually, I think.
2: <laughs> yeah. I no, no guarantees, I, but. but. <laughs> I think. <laughs> uh, as we uh, wave bye-bye to Alice there in Markdale, uh, left a line open, uh, so we can fill it up, folks, by calling 416-360-0740. Or anywhere else in the province, toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. And on we go now to Nancy in Uxbridge. Hi, Nancy.
5: Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I normally plant my garlic bulbs at the or my garlic mm-hmm. at the end of October, mm-hmm. and I didn't get around to doing it this year. Is it too late to do it? Mm. I know that the ground is not frozen
6: mm-hmm.
5: or not
3: well okay so that's a really interesting question normally the ground would be frozen by now so the answer would be forget it you're too late but because the ground isn't frozen Technically, you could plant the garlic now. What will make the difference would be the temperature of the soil when you do your planting. If it's still got enough warmth in the soil so that the garlic... See, what the garlic does at first, when you fr- plant it in the ground, the, you, know, you break the bulb up, separate the cloves, make sure each clove still has its little paper jacket on. It needs that little jacket. And pointy end up. Into the soil, down three or four inches. If you can go that deep, you'll find you'll catch a little more warmth, and that would be good. Because the warm soil, warm as in, you know, 50 degrees Fahrenheit, 10 degrees Celsius kind of warmth, um, roots will start to grow right away. And that's what you want. You want the garlic to pop some roots, and then as the temperature cools and the soil cools, the garlic will become completely dormant, but it's ready to go in the spring as soon as the soil warms up again. Mm -hmm. So... That's the only thing. I mean, if there's still enough warmth in the soil for some roots to get out, then it's going to be worth your while to to pop some garlic in the ground, even though it's the middle of December. Amazing, amazing. Amazing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, so, I mean, if you've got the garlic and you've got the earth ready to go, and, you know, it's a perfectly nice day to get outside before it starts raining and be a good time to get it in the ground before the rain anyway, um, I I would do it. I'd go for it rather than just not doing it at all. Okay. Uh, well, it, it's likely to work, like I said, if you can just get down deep enough to grab a little bit of warmth.
5: Great. Thank okay. you. And incidentally, my orchid has got uh, two stems starting on it.
3: Nice.
2: With yeah. flowers. So, there you go. Mm, good which stuff. I've
5: never had two come up at once.
3: That's a happy
5: orchid. That's a happy orchid. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Have thank you, you very much co- for
2: joining us, uh, Nancy, there in Uxbridge. And uh, let me travel to Hamilton now to wave in Dave. Hey, Dave. Welcome to the show.
4: Yeah. Good morning. Good um, morning. My question's about passion flowers.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, they're an annual here, I believe,
3: mm-hmm.
4: and in Europe they're a perennial. Mm-hmm. I've got one that's four years old. I keep bringing it in in the uh, winter and putting it out in the summer. Is there anything I can do to it, or should I just do nothing and ignore it?
3: <laughs> well, what have you done the last few winters? Just ignore it. Yeah, okay. That's so when... It didn't bloom. Okay. Well, all right. So when you bring it in, do you stick it down in the dark basement or do you put it in um, a sunny window?
4: We sort of put it in a, uh, a shaded um, place actually underneath the stairs.
3: Oh, yeah, that is dark. Um, all right. And that's why you ignore it. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh. I forgot about it, actually. <laughs> Poor thing. Could you have a sunny window you could put it in? Yeah. Oh yeah, we live in a very bright area. Right. So what I would do if I were you is I would um you've got it in the house now. You know, yeah. you cleaned it all up before you brought it in. Uh yeah. it's currently sitting uh. under the stairs in the dark. I yeah. would take it out of the dark, I'd put it into a sunny location, I would check the soil. It does need to be um if it's bone dry, I would give I would water it. Uh, if it's still got some moisture in it, then no panic. I'm just showing Frank some pictures of passionflower. Look oh, how wow. pretty They're, that is. Ain't? They are gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so I would water it if it's bone dry, but if there's a bit of moisture, don't water at all. Okay. In that sunny spot, what will happen, and probably you're going to need to cut it back a bit. Uh, it's probably got yellow leaves on it, uh, um, but there's life in the plant.
4: So oh, yeah, there's lots of uh, uh, life in it.
3: Is there? Are there green leaves on it still?
4: Yeah, yeah. and there's a lot of runners coming through.
3: Yeah, so it's been sending out some runners because it's still got all that energy and it's been sending out runners wanting to grow, but the conditions it's in are not optimal for growth. So by moving it into the sun, you're going to provide a little more optimal conditions. You're going to water as required. Don't be afraid to prune. If it starts really just shooting out growth in a hundred different directions and you're going, oh my God, it's taking over my house, don't hesitate to prune, particularly if you can wait till early to mid-February, you're going to want to prune at that point, because you're going to be pruning, thinking about what shape you want that plant for next summer when it's covered in blooms. Okay. Okay.
4: What, What about fertilizing?
3: Not now. Wait until March. Then you can start fertilizing regularly.
4: Okay. And water it regular? Like sometimes you try out and then
3: water? Well, keep in mind that it, all plants use less water in the winter. So mm. you're not going to find that it's going to take jugs and jugs of water the way it did outside in the summer. Yeah. So yeah. you're going to, if it's, a, it's in a fairly big pot, you may find that a moisture meter will be the best little tool you can have because it will tell you how much moisture is still in that soil way down at the bottom. Okay, yeah, even,
4: it's like six foot tall now.
3: Right, and that's okay. the thing with big pots. It's hard to know. Like, the surface might feel dry, but there could be ton, tons of moisture below. And yeah. the moisture meter is something you can pick up at... You're in Hamilton. So at any of uh, any of the good garden centers around you, yeah. they will have moisture meters on display now. It's a great little stocking stuffer. You can ask somebody to give you that for Christmas.
4: Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very, very
3: much. All
2: You're righty. welcome, Dave. Thanks
3: for your Merry call. Christmas.
2: Thank you, you and too. best of the season to you and yours in Hamilton. All the very best. Thanks for joining us here in The Garden Show. Uh, with that, as we wave bye-bye to Dave, that leaves a line open at 416 740 And, of course, anywhere in the province... It is toll-free, i I'm anxious, actually, to get a call from somebody who has snow outside their window. And certainly in the GTA and the most of southern Ontario... Uh, well, maybe no. Mrs. White-ri-
3: Claus will give yeah. us
2: a call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: uh, and she'll tell us whether this sleigh is going to get off the ground or not this right. year with so little snow down here. Or a
2: buddy up there in White River. You well, know? yeah. Rick, you
3: never know. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's right. I bet you they got a bit of snow. Anyway, a hey, Bridget in Port Dover, welcome to the Garden Show.
3: Thank you very much. <laughs> Good morning. And,
4: um, the, you know, happy, happy Hanukkah and Happy Christmas and all the rest of it. Thank you. Um, I have a magnolia that I should have planted mm-hmm. in uh, the fall, but I haven't. It's still in this pot. Okay. It's probably about uh, four feet high. Um, and I'm just wondering if I should bring it inside and stick it in the basement or if I should do what you suggested with the other uh, plants in pots. Yeah, def-
3: yeah, no, definitely do what I suggested to the other lady, to Alice, okay. who is up in Markdale. Right. So she's, um, you're quite a bit warmer, obviously, down in Port yeah. Dover than yeah. she is.
4: So just make sure that uh, when we do get uh, the snow, that the pot actually doesn't freeze
3: as much as possible. Well, I mean, I'm just wondering, do you know where that magnolia is going to go? Have you got a, a location scouted out for it? Yeah. Technically, you, your ground is far from frozen. You yes. could plant that plant okay. today. All right. And honestly, if you do know where it's going, I would be inclined to do that. Okay. Then you don't need to think about it. You don't need to worry about it. Yeah, I
4: know. Get yeah. It into the,
3: make sure you've got some you know, good quality soil. It's a right. well-drained soil. It's a sunny location. It's going to become a very big tree, so make sure there's lots of room, yeah. you know, 30 feet wide, 30 feet tall. It yeah. wants to be big. It's
4: actually and, a tri- you know, sort of triangular one. It's been shaped a, oh, yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and then just water it. You know, if your hoses are all put away, just haul some water from wherever, from, you know, inside to outside. Give it a thorough watering once you get it in the ground. You, if it's a very open, windy location, consider staking it for the first year cool. just to make sure that it's nice and solid. Okay. Um, but that's what I would do because plants in pots above ground suffer when it gets very cold. Of course they do. Yeah. And, of course, they're also suffering because it's so mild. Because they're all wanting to grow, so you know it's a it's a tough thing in our uh, climate yeah. to have plants in pots above like uh, above ground. The but, other thing is, I was going to say, if you don't know where it's going, just leave it in the pot, bury it pot and all for the winter, right. and then pull it up in the spring and then give it its it plants it properly out of its pot. So yeah. whichever, either one, but underground is always the best way to survive.
4: Okay. Okay. And um, I know you're not supposed to uh, do plugs, but I don't know if it, if. If your listeners know about
3: Whistling Garden, oh, we have yes. talked about it. Yeah. Did it? Yes. Yes, yes. Because it, it's well, it's wonderful. Well, it's worth, a, a well worth a trip. It's no a good question. destination spot. And I think yeah. they yeah. have some Christmas Marks stuff going too. Yep, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. I'll take a quick peek and see what's going on at Whistling Gardens right now because I think you're right. I think they have some seasonal stuff
2: going on.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you both so
3: much. Okay, you're welcome,
2: Bridget. And all the best of the season to you, too. And thank you for joining us here on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And uh, have you got Whistling Gardens up there? Uh, Yeah. Yep, there it is. Okay.
3: So, yeah. Bottom line, Whistling Gardens is in Wilsonville. <laughs> Where's Wilsonville, you say? It's nestled in Norfolk County, just minutes south of Brantford and 20 minutes south of Highway 403. So it is actually a yeah, minute south of Brantford. Wilsonville, very small village. But look at that pretty picture, yeah, right? gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, they're promoting it as Canada's uh, newest botanical gardens. It is a serious labor of love. Uh, it is it open? I bet it's not open now, though. Billy, what's new? Yeah, so they talk about 2016, May 26, 2012, official opening. Continue to expand. I'll see if there's anything going on right now. I would be surprised if they're open. These people would be much smarter to just take a break in the winter time because they work so hard. <laughs> Darren and his wife, and family. He's got a bunch of family there, too. Well, it's
2: nice of uh, Bridget to kind of bring that up, up too. And uh, we have uh, more folk on the line here. Let's see. I'm going to go to uh, Linda, right here in Toronto. Good morning, Linda. Welcome to the show. Good morning.
3: Morning. I have a North Fork bush. I do? Okay, Uh, yeah, I'm listening. I don't know what a North Fork fork bush is It's it like it's like a north fork tree. It's, it's an evergreen. Okay. Yeah, n- norfolk.
6: Yeah, F O R T H. Fork. Really?
3: Yes. F O R T H. Huh. All right. Oh, hmm. uh, tell me what it looks like. Well, it looks like very much like a like a pine like a Christmas tree. Yeah, it's a Norfolk Island pine. Yes. Okay. Okay, anyway, yes, you have one, yes. I have one about two years old, mm-hmm. and it's gone very dull. Oh, so the green on it has gone very dull. When you feel it, is it all crispy right now, or is it still soft and flexible? It's in between. Hmm, you've had it for about two years. And has anything changed? Have you moved it in the house, or changed um, your watering?
6: Well, uh, the weather has changed, like it's in a solarium. Mm-hmm. It is, and in the summertime it gets very hot, mm-hmm.
3: in there.
6: very hot, and uh i when I noticed it, i uh stopped watering it as much because I, I found mushrooms in it, oh yeah, so I stopped watering it as much, and it has improved hmm. and I dug up the top part of the soil,
3: yeah,
6: so it would ha- I don't get more air in than that. Okay. I, wondered, I was wondering if there was some kind of fertilizer I could get it to help it <laughs> brighten up.
3: All right. So when you say you took away some of the soil, did you replace the soil? No, with I didn't take it away. I just dug it up. Move it around. Okay. Yeah. And you didn't disturb the roots when you did that? No. Okay. Um, all right. So, okay, interesting points. Right. When we see mushrooms growing in a potted plant, we know that there is something in that pot that is dead and dying, and the fungus, the mushroom, is doing its job of decomposing whatever's dead. So there could be, uh, as part of the soil mix, uh, some little pieces of bark, some little pieces of this, that, and the other thing that was once alive but is now dead and is now being decomposed by a fungus. Or it could suggest that the roots of the plant ha- are suffering and rotting and things are growing on, on the roots of the plant. It's So you've had it for a few years. It's a fair-sized plant, I assume. Yeah, I, I've had it for two years now, and it's a, almost three feet tall. Right. And... Um, similar to the gentleman named Dave who was talking about a passion flower, which is a big tropical plant, your no- Norfolk Island pine is also a fairly big tropical plant. And it's very hard to know when to water bigger plants like that because they're in, you know, 10 inch, 12 inch pots. I would highly recommend. A, again, a moisture meter to tell you what's going on with the soil moisture down deep in the pot because we can feel the surface and stick our fingers in, but we're still only feeling the top inch. And you want to know what's going on six inches and seven inches down. You want that plant to be in a bright light, it does not to be, need to be in full sun or direct sun, but it does need to be in a bright spot in your house. Um, you know, if it's a your solarium, for example, is really bright, then just make sure that that the tree is not right in the window try and bring it you know four feet away from the window so it's nice and bright but not too intense and um, again just water as necessary but you're not going to know how much water unless you really have a sense of the moisture that's being held in that soil Um, moving the soil around is fine but just be careful about doing any root damage do not fertilize fertilizer isn't will not save the plant uh, unless you start Wait till March, and in March, if it's looking like it's still alive and it's not completely crispy, then I would fertilize. But until then, just look after things like humidity if you can raise the humidity, only water as required, and make sure it's in a bright spot. And look closely <clears throat> spider mites sometimes get onto that plant.
6: Mm-hmm. And no, if the, there's no mites you, on it. Yeah,
3: you would see webbing You won't see yes, the spiders I know. I know what they look like yeah. I've had them before Right, because this plant is quite susceptible to spider mites But otherwise, yeah uh, Just keep doing what you're doing Bright spot, water as necessary Mist at least once a day
6: oh, Okay, then thank okay? you thank, thank you very
2: you. much And uh, we're getting up to our next little point in the show Where we have to just take a break And uh, hear from some of our wonderful sponsors And we will be back to say hi to Rosa in Milton after these words
1: Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
2: And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, welcoming Rosa from Milton to the show. Hello. Good morning. Good
1: morning. Good
6: morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Now, I have an acre and a half, approximately, right, of land. And uh, I was out there a couple of weeks ago, and I noticed that there was a lot of holes, like somebody had dug around, so I thought it was my husband. (laughs) But then I saw more and more of them, and he wasn't keeping to one spot, so I asked him, I says, why are you digging like that? You know, dig here, dig there, dig everywhere. And he says, that's not me. And I says, well, what the heck is it then? And he says, it's some kind of animal. What kind of animal would do that, and why?
3: Why? It is uh, t- probably a skunk uh, eating critters that are in your lawn, eating bugs, likely grubs. Oh. Mm-hmm. So yes. what
6: can I do about very... that? Because it's, it's too much now.
3: I know. It's very unusual to have this problem in December. Usually our ground is frozen and all the insects... No, no,
6: no. Like this was before, and I've been thinking of, uh, you know, I've, I've waited to phone you because okay. I thought it would go away, mm. but it it's not going away, and I always thought it was my husband,
3: not my husband. <laughs> so poor guy. Yeah. Tell him, yes. He, he's, you're getting your husband and the skunks mixed up. I think that's a bit scary. Okay. <laughs> well, he's a
6: skunk sometimes, yeah. So, you know.
3: yeah, so it might not be, I mean, it might not even be skunks. It could be raccoons, um, starlings. There's quite a few animals that go after uh critters in the lawn that you know they're digging up for to eat well not moles typically because moles will tunnel but bottom line what will you do now um see it's so i don't think you can do anything now i think you just have to wait you have to wait till spring there's no in the spring you're going to start you'll rake you'll level you'll top dress with a little more topsoil you'll overseed with some fresh grass seed and you will fertilize with a spring fertilizer if you haven't already done so in the fall Um, and you will just try to rejuvenate the lawn as much as you can but the issue is of course is that the insects that are in there are going to continue to be in there until they're either all eaten or they've moved on to the next part of their life cycle. That's the challenge. Okay. And what you're going to do is you're going to remember Frank, because Frank is the nematode specialist I here. I am
2: the nematode specialist. And
3: yes. Frank can explain <laughs> to you how and when you should be applying nematode eggs to your lawn.
2: it will oh. come up. In the summertime. In August. Latter part of the summer into September.
3: Yeah, Yeah. well, it usually depends on the kind of summer we're having, but it's anywhere from early August to early September uh, that we get it. We actually apply nematode eggs to the lawn, and the nematodes hatch and kill the grubs. Oh. But now, there would be no point in doing that, I don't think. Mm -hmm. I don't think they would be of any... It, it, it's too cold it's, It okay. wouldn't have any
2: impact
6: Okay All right At least there's some kind of hope there Thank you very
2: much <laughs> All right uh, Thank you very much, Rosa uh, You know what? Uh, we want to deal with that uh, question from Ed Who uh, Question How about uh, questions? Can we take a little break first? Otherwise, we're going to get behind the eight ball here So uh, we'll come back in just a moment mm-hmm. Charlie will deal with the uh, email or a letter, actually Sent in uh, by Ed, Ed Shepherd, Shepard And we'll be uh, returning with all that information and fun here on The Garden Show in Moments.
4: Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Scythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. you
1: pick picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
2: Well, here we are on The Garden Show, and uh, just before we get back to our calls, you've got a little letter to deal with there from Ed a little letter okay so
3: it starts dear Charlie I feel I am cheating but this is a multiple question and I'm sure that Frank would cut me off so here goes number one what is better leaf mold or composted manure so good question what is better Uh, both are really really 100% organic matter so that's good Um, manure technically should have more nutrient in it just because it's got you know pee and poop that's been Mm -hmm. composted so it's got lots of nitrogen leaf mold is going to be dependent on what the leaf, what tree the leaves came from in terms of what's actually in the leaves. Uh, so uh, not typically as much nitrogen though, the way there would be in manure. So if your plants need nitrogen, manure is going to give you a higher amount. Uh, Ed mentions, I feel that leaf mold comes already with worms, so that's a good thing, and that's true. It does come with worms because the leaf mold has been on the ground, so it's full of all kinds of microorganisms. The composted manure should also be full of life, uh, though if it's in a bag for too many years, the life all commit suicide in there it gets too hot and it can't survive so all the little microbes etc don't last so fine line on that one I mean both are great you really can't go wrong with leaf mold or composted manure so you asked if I put composted manure on now and turn it over or would it be better to apply it in the spring I've already purchased it could you put it on now? Yes, put it on now. Do not turn it over. Put it on the surface of your gardens. Just literally half an inch on the surface of the gardens, not the lawn. Never put manure on the lawn. Manure is a little too sticky. And when you go walking out on the lawn, you're not going to like it. No. So anybody on the lawn is not going to like manure on the lawn for about a month because it takes that long to work its way down. But a quarter inch, half an inch on all the surfaces of your gardens – Do not turn it in. The bugs will do it for you. Whether it's worms or sow bugs or anything, rain, it'll all get incorporated in just nicely. You don't have to do any digging. Um, And you asked about reusing potting soil. Does it matter if you leave the prior occupant's root mass in it as I feel that that turns to a soil conditioner? problem with potting soil is that, again... Unlike manure or leaf mold, potting soil is inert. It has no life in it. It's not supposed to. It is made out of peat and sometimes core, which is the cocoa, husk, um, vermiculite, perlite. These are not living materials. It, is, it, may have some, it may have an organic basis, but it is sterile. When you buy it, it should have no life in it. So when you plant up a plant, the plant dies in the winter, all those roots are in there in the spring, I pull them out. In the spring, I dig around, I pull out all those roots, toss them into the composter, add fresh inert, sterile soil to top up the pot as necessary and replant and use a synthetic fertilizer. Uh, you will not I wouldn't try and get a lot of bi- biological life going on in my pots because it's just it's way too complicated. Better to work with synthetics, generally speaking, for the pots and yeah, you're welcome to use the compost and the living material, the organic material in your, in your in-ground
2: your in garden. Okay. Alright, Ed, There oh, it is. Good stuff. Thank you. Sorry, it paid off that little email. It did indeed. <laughs> Peyton in Curtis is on the line. Hey, Peyton, good morning. Welcome to the show.
7: Good morning. I enjoy your wonderful help. Thank you. Hello, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. Uh, I have a problem with the black currant bush. Oh. It had buds in the early fall last year and no fruit followed, followed in the spring. How can I help preserve this black currant bush, please? It's maybe four years old now, but could I um, put uh, covers around it with leaves or
3: plastic or? Hmm. You know, it shouldn't. I mean, it's a, they're pretty tough plants. Um, I'm just trying to think. I mean, we had a very tough winter, though. So I'm wondering if what happened is the buds that formed you know, in the fall of 2014 did not survive the winter of 2014-15. So come spring, was it a good green plant all spring and summer? Uh, no. In fact, after that, it didn't have uh, leaves either. So this past growing season, so spring and summer and fall of two thousand fifteen, you had no green leaves on the plant. Apparently, all all summer, no, there was no leaves. All right. So, is it possible the plant is dead?
7: Well, I'm wondering what happened. We did have a, a new vine on a plant next door by the swimming pool that uh, killed the p- uh, tree, and and uh, oh. so anyway, uh,
3: oh. I was just wondering.
7: It it probably is dead then, do you think? But it's budding again
3: right now. Oh, it's budding again. Okay, so then it's not dead. Um, All right, well, the poor plant sounds a bit confused. Um, For now, okay, so you're in Curtis. Is it in a really windy, sunny, open spot? Yes, it is. Hmm. Okay, so you know what I would consider doing? I'd get four stakes. They could be just simple bamboo stakes, or they could be, you know, one-by-one little, you know, Pieces right. of wood, not so little, but uh, – and you're going to get a sledgehammer or hammer. You're going to bang them into the ground in the shape of a, of a box, so four in a square, not touching the plant, just like an inch outside of the tips of the f- branches of the black currant. Yeah. Then you're going to get some burlap, not plastic, but it could be an old sheet or burlap, whatever, something that allows air to get through you know wrap that around those four posts that you've put in the ground right the top will be open and into the top if you've got some dry leaves kicking around the property i would throw uh you know a foot or two of dried leaves in on top of the black currant and i would leave it alone for the winter well, very good. And Thank let it be. You. And that, will, that hopefully will keep it dormant for the winter and help it to survive this winter. Come spring, you'll open it all up. You'll trim, you know, prune back as necessary and pray for some delicious black currants. Thank you so much. Okay, you're very welcome. Thank
2: you, indeed. And Uh, Gully, I I have to... Out of
3: racetrack, you're going to say Yeah,
2: well, Wanda and June, please call us back next week. We appreciate your uh, phone call. Just, we ran out of racetrack, indeed. (laughs) And uh, so here we are coming to the close of the show, but always a great uh, time for me to share the studio with you, my friend. Yes,
3: indeed. Thank you, thank you. And uh, you've got a busy day ahead of you?
2: Yes, indeed. You're on later today? Yep, 2 o'clock, I'll be back with Live in the City and lots of great Christmas music, Frank Sinatra music for... Of course. Celebrating the 100th. Happy birthday, Frank, 100 years today.
3: Nice. All right. Well, happy birthday, Frank. And thank you very much, Frank, the other Frank, the more important Frank to me. (laughs) And uh, Franklin Proctor, thank you, Sebastian, for all your wonderful help. And you know what? Couldn't do it without the great callers. So thanks to the callers and for the emails. And everybody call again
0: next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio.